Daniel 6.10 When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Verse 25 through 27. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Listen, if by chance someone yells out, praise the Lord, they may be watching the Titans right now, all right? I'm going to ask you, or, or you're wanting me to quit. I don't know which one. Uh, make sure that you have your phone turned down if you are, all right? All right. I don't want to hear any da-da-da, da or anything like that. You know, um, if I were to ask you, out of the con- not being in the context of sitting in this room today, talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah, can you name a famous lion if it comes to your mind? Is there a faint... Aslan. Oh, I got Aslan. All right. Barry. Oh, golly. Barry Sanders. Let me tell you, growing, growing up, uh, listen, growing up, uh, Thanksgiving morning or Thanksgiving day, watching the Cowboys and the Lions. Who ever rooted for the Lions? Uh, we got one right here. Well, maybe. Maybe. He's a bill. This is a bill. Any others? Mufasa. Mufasa had some, my wife's very first one was Simba. It was Simba. I said, hey, well, what about Mufasa? MGM Grand, the MGM Grand Lion, all right. Nobody, anybody got the Cowardly Lion? Yeah, yeah. Listen, there's all kinds of lions, but as you can tell today, we're talking about Revelation 5, 5, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, the title of the message today is The Lion, that is the capital T-H-E definitive article, the, the Lion, the Lion of the tribe of Judah in the lion's den, the lowercase lions. Listen, today we're talking about, one of the things I want you to catch is this, I want to make sure that we're really, really clear on this, is that as we're talking about what it means to be bold, what it means to be bold in Babylon, we're continuing in this series, what it means to be bold in Babylon... It, boldness is not microwaved. It doesn't come in a minute or a moment. It comes through a consistent spending time in the den of the lion of the tribe of Judah. The more time you spend with that lion in that den, soaking and sitting under his word, the more you have a boldness about you, a consistency about you. You know, it's been said... Uh, in fact, I want to make uh, one of the guys that I've been reading for this, his name is Dale Ralph Davis, his, his commentary on Daniel, and I would recommend it. It is a great commentary, Dale Ralph Davis. He said about this chapter, he says that consistency assists courage. Consistency assists courage and discipline feeds faithfulness. Discipline feeds 
faithfulness. Listen, as we walk with the lion of the tribe of Judah, as we sit in his den, the, the den of that true lion, as we sit with him faithfully and consistency, consistently, uh, then we begin to see boldness begin to happen. Remember, I, I, I've had a basic premise. I've said it now probably four of the last six weeks. Being bold doesn't mean being a jerk for Jesus, okay? It means that your life has been transformed. There is a courage about you. There is a quiet courage about you that come what may, here I am, I can do no more. I stand because this is what the word of the Lord says. There's two statements that I'm going to give you today. I'm not going to give you both of them at, at the front like I normally do. I'm going to give you one. And if you got a pen and a piece of paper, I want you to write this down. Boldness is molded. Boldness is molded through consistency and not in a moment. Boldness is molded through consistency and not in a moment. It's a little different than what's on the screen. They both say the same thing. Uh, they're both, the idea is communicated, but boldness is molded through consistency and not in a moment. At this point in, the Dan, in Daniel chapter 6, in Daniel's story, Nebuchadnezzar has died. Belshazzar has died. We saw last week at the end of chapter 5, there's a new king, 62-year-old Darius, the king of the Medes and the Persians, who's come. Here are three different reigns that have happened, and you still have Daniel. We would assume Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we don't hear any more of them since chapter 3. They're, they're still standing. Daniel is still there. Daniel goes into Babylon. Remember, he's probably a teenager, maybe an older teenager. He's been there now 70 years, 70 years. Jeremiah talked about this, uh, this the prophecy that was going to happen, and Daniel now has been there. He's in his 80s, he's probably in his mid-80s, uh, lower to mid-80s, and he has been consistent and he is strong. He has been in the middle of these godless kingdoms, godless kingdoms, yet here Daniel is still standing, still strong, still consistent, still serving the one true Yahweh. Here he is. He's still there. Now, I want to speak for just a moment, a little comma. I give this to you each week. To you who might be considered more mature, maybe senior saints, I'm going to let you define where that is, all right, <laughs> if that's you. I want to say thank you so much. We have people who are, uh, they're, they're above Social Security age who are, still, who are still serving God in this church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're not doing that right now, I'm calling you to it. Daniel, listen, Daniel, Daniel's 80 years old, and he's about to be thrown. You guys know this story. He's about to be thrown in the lion's den for standing for Jesus, excuse me, standing for God, standing for him. Uh, I was, uh, Amy and I, you know that we were a part of the Brussels team. We lived there. She loved, she loves art. We had the opportunity to go to see some of the most famous art in all the world when you live in Europe. I remember us being able to stand and see what is called the last judgment in the Sistine Chapel painted by Michelangelo. It is said that he painted that somewhere between, he finished that somewhere between the ages of 85 and 89. He finished that between the ages of 80 and, 80 and 89, 85 and 89. Uh, Abram was called on the backside of the desert at the age of 75. He had a child at 100. Nobody's signing up for that, but I need you to know he had a child at... His wife was in her 90s. 
You, you've got Moses, who was 80 years old, leading the people out of the Exodus. You have Caleb, who said, I want my mountain at 85, going to take it over. You have Anna, who was 84 years old in the New Testament. The scripture says she was in the temple daily, praying and fasting and calling out. You have Lois, who was a grandmother to Timothy, pouring her life into him. Senior saints, those of you who, how you classify, we need you. Older women pouring into younger women. Older men pouring into younger men. There is a place for you, and we need you in this body. Uncomma, and I'll go back now. David wants to keep, uh, Darius wants to keep a little community and continuity in his government from the previous regimes. So what he ends up doing is he has some of the holdovers and he brings them into leadership. The scripture tells us in chapter two that there were three presidents and under the three presidents, maybe your translation says high official, governor. And then under that, he has 120 satraps. Satraps is a Persian word. It's, a, it's, a, it's an office. They were kind of like mayors and governors of the area. But under, over those 120, he had three presidents. Daniel was one of those. In fact, the scripture tells us that he was going to appoint Daniel. He wanted to appoint Daniel to be over all of the, of the three. He wanted him to be kind of like the second in charge because he, the scripture says he had an excellent spirit. Now, what, what that means is that he was a man full of integrity. Here he is in his 80s. He came in as a teenager, three different regimes, and yet he still follows the Lord God, the one true God. He has stood strong, and everyone knows it. Everyone recognizes it, even those who were other leaders. And the, the scripture says it made them mad. It made them angry. They were jealous. They were upset. They, they sought for ways to bring him down. They start looking for dirt. Go back through his Facebook, his Twitter, get, get on his Instagram, get his high school yearbook, read what they wrote, figure out, find something on this dude. We've got to take him down. They start slinging mud. They're doing whatever it takes because they want Daniel out because they're jealous because he, as you will see, is one of the exiles. He's not Belteshazzar, one of the court, not one of the presidents. He's Daniel, one of the exiles. We want him gone. They can find nothing on him. All of these other leaders, all these other rulers, look at what the scripture says. It finally, they, it, they resort to verse 5. Look at verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for a complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Yeah, listen, at this point, they recognize this is a man of integrity. He's not going to budge. In fact, he's going to do what he's going to do. And they know what he's going to do. They know how much he loves the Lord God. They know that he's not compromised. They, they, they know, they see all of these things. So what are they? They're going to frame him now. You've got people who are jealous. You've got people who are digging up dirt. They're gossiping. They're, now they're going to frame him. I mean, they're going to take his religion and they're going to turn it against him. Does this sound familiar? I mean, like, are you asleep? Are you hearing the sound a little familiar today to us? This is where we find. So these leaders, these 120 satraps and the two other presidents, they end up, they go to the king and they say, oh, king, hey, listen, we got a great plan. Here's what we ought to do. Here's how we can honor you. King Darius, what we want to do, king of the Medes, uh, 
For the next 30 days, no one should be able to worship, pray, bow down to any other God, any other idol, except you. You're the one they should bow down and worship towards. And you know what King Darius did? Like a fish on a hook, he took the bait. Boom. He hit it. He hit it. Sounded great. I mean, it sounded great. Yet we know that they lied. We know that they lied because in verse 7, they say this to the king. We've all agreed. Who's we all? They're assuming that they're implicating that the three governors, presidents, high officials, and all the satraps. We know that Daniel wasn't there. So now they've lied to the king. They've lied to him because they know Daniel would never go for this. This is how we're going to take him down. This is how we're going to destroy him. This is how he, this is how this Daniel, this exile, this Jewish exile, the one whom God has used, the one who won't worship anyone else, this is how we're going to take him down. And what does Daniel do? Look at what happens in verse 10. Look at verse 10. In verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document, what document? The document that if anyone bows down, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den. You're going to be thrown into the lion's den. He says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. I want you to circle done previously, as he had done previously. Because I want to be very, very clear. I want, I want to show you boldness does not happen in a microwave. It does not happen in a moment. It only happens when you were molded by consistency in the den of the true lion of the tribe of Judah. He said that, I, that listen, he only did exactly what they knew he was going to do. They said the only way we're going to get him is we've got to trap him in the consistency of the law of his God. They framed him. They set him up. He did exactly what would happen. As soon as the decree was announced, Daniel goes home, and he does exactly what he's always done. He didn't muster up a crowd and say, hey, guys, let's go. You know, the crowd being the other three. <laughs> he didn't muster them up. It just says he, 80-year-old man, early 80s. He went to his house. He went to his bedroom his upper chamber where the doors were open, the windows were open towards Jerusalem. First Kings 8, if you'd like to go and look at the context for that. It says that he bowed before Jerusalem three times as he had done previously, as he was consistently doing, as he was continually doing. This is what he did. Let me ask you a question. What are you consistent at doing? I, yeah, I get it. You, you brush your teeth, I hope. You... You take a shower, you, hopefully you make your bed each morning. Somebody makes their bed each morning. You can tell that's a pet peeve of mine. You, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you do? What do you do? Let me ask you this. Let me back that down. Like clockwork, what do you do with your family? Can you think of what those things are? Like, I'm not even talking, I mean, just things that just happen like clockwork with your family. Let me ask you a question. Do any of those things that happen like clockwork with your family have a spiritual context to them? Do they have any long-lasting spiritual fruit to them? You see, what Daniel is doing here in the midst of Babylon, 
in the midst of three different reigns of people who do not serve the one true living God. It says that he was consistently going to his upper room where the windows are open. He got down on his knees and he prayed three times a day, just like all good Jews would do. This isn't something that as soon as he found out the document was signed, he started rubbing his hands. Oh no, what am I going to do? Oh no, what am I going to do? Oh no, what am I going to do? No. He did what he always does. He got up, he went, he got on his knees, and he prayed. Why? Because this is what Daniel did. Let me ask you, are you consistent in your walk with the Lord? I'm not asking, are you perfect? I'm not asking, is it every day? I'm asking, is it consistent? What would that consistent look like? Are you consistent in taking the word in and listening to it? Are you consistent in soaking in the word so that you can then pour it out? Are you hiding God's word in your heart? Are you consistent in praying for the needs of your family and the needs of the people? Are you consistent when you see someone, you're out and about, maybe just even walking in the halls and you hear them say something about a need? Are you consistent and say, hey, let's pray about it. Can I pray for you right now? Are you consistent with a life group, with a D group? Uh, Now, before, listen, Kyle's not trying to heap guilt. Kyle's waving a banner of saying consistency is what builds boldness. If you want to be bold in the moment that the Lord places you, then you need to be starting to walk consistently in the humdrum days. Now, I want to be, today's not humdrum. Listen, we live in some difficult days, but it hasn't come knocking at your door yet, maybe. But I need you to know it's going to. It's either going to come through your work. It's going to come through your school. It may come through your family at a family event. And the question is, is will you be able to stand just like you always do when it's easy to talk about Jesus here? Could you stand Or is your consistently, would it be another word called non-existent? No, it's not consistent. It's just non-existent. Folks, this is the banner. To be bold today, it's not a jerk for Jesus. It's not mustering up and rallying the people. It is about you being bold and consistent each morning to get out of your bed, to go before the Father. When you're with a friend and you hear, you say, hey, can I pray for you? Like now. It was a week or two ago, I was out on a golf course. Uh, the reason I know it was a week or two, because I don't play golf, so it stands out. I uh, was out on the golf course, and somebody walked up to me and said something about a neighbor, about a friend, a coworker. And at that moment, everything into me said, you need to pray for them. And I had a moment where I had to decide, am I going to do that? Have you ever had those moments? Are you going, are you consistent in there? We did. We prayed right there. We stopped. We prayed. Lord, I, I just want you to know, your pastor walks through these exact same things. The things that I'm calling you to, I have to call myself to them. You see, we don't realize what we do today matters tomorrow and next week and two months and two years from now. It mattered. And Daniel, you know what? Daniel could have rationalized all kinds of things away right then. He could have gone, oh, listen, it's only for 30 days. 
How about I just bail for 30 days and then I'll come back to it? He could have done that. Daniel could have even gone, you know what? Uh, They're slinging mud at me. I'm going to dig some stuff up on them and I'm going to the king with it. Listen, eye for an eye here, tooth for a tooth. You're going to trap my knees. I'm going to trap yours too, buddy. Uh, He could have. He could have rationalized. Listen, I'm one of the presidents. If I don't, this could get me killed, and now God's not going to have a representative here among the people. You know what Daniel did? Daniel did what he always does. He went home. He went upstairs. He got on his knees, and he prayed. You know what the other 120, 122 men did? I don't know if they all went or if they sent a representative. They set up cameras. <laughs> the scripture says they went and they watched because they wanted to see. Notice what happens here in verse 11. It says the officials posted up and they watched all of this go down. Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, I need you to know you're being watched. I don't know if you're being watched to be trapped. But people are always watching because when you come out and say, this is who I follow, they're watching because they're wanting to see, is this consistent or is this just a Sunday check the box thing? Or does what they say line up with how they walk, how they live, what they do? You, you realize that, don't you? Someone is always looking. Usually it's little eyes too. <laughs> it's little eyes that watch us. People are wanting to know. But I also want to be, I mean, I would be remiss to tell you that living in Babylon, there are truly people who are desiring for us to go down. You ever heard of uh, Jack Phillips, the baker at Masterpiece Cakes in Colorado, who would not bake a cake for a gay wedding? It's against his religious beliefs. Was taken all the way to the Supreme Court. Won, won the case after seven years. Do you realize that on the day, on the day that he won the case, he was sued again because he wouldn't bake a cake for someone who was celebrating his transgenderism? A man becoming a woman. Do you realize that he's also been sued once again? You realize these are all just, we're just going to keep coming. We're going to keep coming. We're going to keep coming. Folks, you know what he's done? He's just continued to get up, go bake cakes, love the Lord. In fact, he's gotten saved during all of this. Just continuing to... Folks, being bold in Babylon is not whipping people into a stir. It is getting up each morning and going to the Word, going before the Father, sitting with my life group, my D group, strengthening one another for the days that are ahead. So they see it. They run to the king. They say, oh, king, hey, guess what? King, didn't you declare a a law, law for the Medes and the Persians, one that can never be revoked? Didn't you do this? He said, yeah, I did it. Oh, okay. Well, let me tell you this, Daniel. Uh, Oh, king, look at verse 13. Verse 13 says this. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, Not one of the presidents, not one of the overseers. He's one of those exiles. He's one of those exiles, one of those who doesn't follow you. 
Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you've assigned, but makes his petition three times a day. At this moment, the scripture tells us that the king realizes he's been had. He realizes it. Because he, remember in verse 3, he was going to promote Daniel over all of them. And he realizes, I've been had. It goes on to tell us that he tried to actually figure out a way so that he could get Daniel out of this. But they came back to him and said, listen, the law that you signed, the law of the Medes and the Persians, it cannot be revoked. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of the lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually, I hope you circle continually, (laughs) consistently, persistently. May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Listen, this isn't written in a condescending way. This isn't written in a way that's anger. This is written in a tone of which only your God, whom you serve, can save you now. I wonder if Darius had heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I wonder if Darius knew, listen, that the one true living God that Daniel serves, he saved these boys, these young men. He saved them from the lion's den. Daniel, may he do that again. The the scripture tells us that Daniel went home, or excuse me, the king went home. Darius went home. They threw him into the lion's den. That he went home and he was so stressed that he did not eat all night. He was up all night. He fasted. It says he woke up the next morning, verse 20. Look at verse 20. In verse 20, it says that he woke up. He was so angry towards the tomb. When he got to the tomb, he yelled out, Daniel, did your God, whom you continually serve, circle continually, whom you continually serve, has he saved you? Has he saved you? Daniel, the one, you're in the, you're in the pit. We've rolled a stone. We've put a wax seal around it. I took my ring and I, my signet ring and it, it, it's not broken. Daniel, let me ask you, are you still there? Are you okay? Daniel, did your God save you? Look at verse 21 and 22. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Did you notice he didn't curse the king? O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. Circle the word because, circle the word because, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Daniel was saved. Why was Daniel saved? Because the Lord God judged that he had done nothing wrong, nothing against him or the king. And he proclaimed, there was an angel that came and shut their mouths up. Listen, not only did the king fast, the lion. (laughs) He's bold. You know what the king did? The king came. He peeled away the ring, the signet ring and the wax. He rolled that stone away. Daniel comes out and the scripture tells us that he took all the other men, not just the men, the scripture goes into detail and says their wives and their children 
cast them into the pit. And before they could get there, before they could get to the bottom, they'd been trounced, broken, and eaten. Devoured, I think the word is. Church, I want to say this to you, another comma here. You realize your sin has long-reaching effects, don't you? It doesn't just affect you. It affects your family. This is why I stand each week, and when I speak to you, I'm speaking to believers, and I call you to come home. I call you to repent. I call you to let you know the Lord Jesus stands. He does, there is therefore now no condemnation. The enemy is speaking lies to you. He's saying you can never go home, and he says to you, that the Holy Spirit says to you, and I implore you, you can come home. Come to Jesus. Come back. Repent. Come back. Turn from your sin. And that relationship is restored. Listen, as far as you feel like you've run, do you realize you can stop? And if you take one turn back, he's there. He's not asking you to take the 120-mile journey back that you feel like you're on. He's there when you turn. This is the freedom he offers you. But also, I want you to know in reverse. Let's, let's take that to the other side. Do you realize that because of the righteousness of Jesus on you as a follower of Christ, as you are walking in lives of holiness, as you are consistently being molded into the image of God, in the image of his son, Romans 8, 29, he's, com- he's conforming you to the image of his son. He's molding you through consistency in the word, in life group, in D group, in worship, in study. Do you realize that in and of itself has long-term effects also? It has long-term effects. I wish I could tell you, this is a part, listen, I wish I could tell you that in every situation that you're in, where you're right now feeling like you're facing the lions, you feel like I'm in a den of lions right now. Relationally, I feel like my family's falling apart. I, I don't know where our next, my next job is going to come from. I, listen, there are medical situations. My family is facing such great despair right now. I wish I could tell you that in you standing strong that the lions will not overtake you and that the Lord will rush in and save everything just like he did here. I wish I could tell you that. I can't promise you that. This is not a prescription. This is a description of what he did. And if this is a description of what he did, I want you to hear me say, I believe that he can still do that today. But just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in chapter 3, verse 16, but even if he don't, I will not turn. Even if he doesn't, I will not turn. Folks, I want you to know, you've got to, this is why I call you every week, be in a life group, be in a gee group, be committed here, be, so that you have a body of believers who come around you. I got a phone call yesterday this is two days ago, about uh, a senior adult who's having some medical things. We begin to check in. There are people who are loving, who are coming alongside. You know why? Because there are people here that she's connected to who are able to hold her arms up. There are some of you in here who you've had medical situations, and, and uh, there's been like, what are those, uh, uh, meal train, trees, meal train, I'm sorry, I'm getting all mixed up. Sorry, Amy. Amy's going, you're embarrassing me. The, 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 these, the, these things are happening. And you know what? You, you've not had to worry because the body has come in. They're standing with you. And in your day, when you don't know if you're going to make it, 
they hold your arms up so that you can be bold in that day. Quickly, I, I have to tell you the second statement. Boldness is not microwaved, it's molded continually, consistently, but boldness also comes by trusting in the greater lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the only way, this is the only way that Daniel survived. What, what do you think Daniel did when the stone was rolled and sealed? What do you think the first thing he did? He prayed. It's exactly right. He did exactly what he always does. He went to the Father. I truly believe that. Because he was consistent. See, Daniel didn't just cry out to the Father in the den. He cried out to him in his bedroom also. He was consistent. Listen, Daniel knew that God was sovereign over every situation. Daniel knew that in the kingdom that he was in, where there was a king and there had been two others, that there was a truer king, the one true living king, God. He knew that, yes, he might go to the lion's den, but he knew that the sovereign Lord God was over the lion's den. He knew that even if Darius called himself a king that, or called himself of God, that there was a truer God, one. You see, Daniel is not just about being bold today. It's not just about being courageous. It's not just about his consistency. Daniel is about pointing us forward so that we can look at Christ, the greater king, the greater lion, the one true living God. Do you realize that you and I can consistently listen to, learn from, love the same God that he loved and trusted? That's what's offered to us each morning. That's what's offered to us each day when we sit with him. We'll only be found to be bold as we consistently meet with the true lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you know when Daniel emerged from the den, his walking out of that saved no one. Saved no one. Did you know that when the true lion of the tribe of Judah walked out of his den of death, it provided salvation for all of us who would call upon him. Do you realize that the stone that was rolled across Daniel's den, that was sealed, do you realize that Jesus was in a den of death that was sealed with a stone that had a signet ring of the Roman government? Do you realize when Daniel was in the lion's den, and it says that an angel came to comfort him, Jesus, do you know that there was no one that came to comfort him? In fact, the scripture says that God the Father had to turn away from him because the sin of the world was placed upon him. The full wrath of God was poured out on him. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, unlike Daniel, the king came and opened it up and he rolled it away and walked out. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit who made a way for salvation for you and I today. 
You see, true boldness comes from consistently sitting with the lion of the tribe of Judah. True boldness comes when we trust and we gaze only at that lion. And today, I, I call you, I urge you to hear how this passage closes out. Look at verses 25 through 28. Then Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. May I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, do you realize that there will be a day when people from every nation, every tribe, and every language bow their knee to give glory to the one true God? And they'll proclaim there is no God other than this God, the great God. My question is, is would they be able to look and say, the great God of so-and-so, the great God of so-and-so, the great God of Kyle, would the people in your home that you're closest to, would the people in your workplace, would the people in your school, would the people along your street and your neighborhood be able to look if there was a, you, you ever watch Undercover Boss? You ever seen that? Let's say a secret shopper came around and said, hey, tell me about old so-and-so. Would they be able to nail you? Oh, here's the truth. They will be able to nail you. Because they're watching. They know. The question is, is would they be able to say, oh, he continually, consistently, she follows the one true living God. Father, I love you. Thank you. I magnify you today alone. Jesus, I'm asking that you would save people in this room. Father, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I would ask, God, that you would call them to salvation. Lord, if there are those in here who, Father, they've found themselves today estranged. They've walked away. God, would you call them home? Call them back to you. Call them to repentance, to a fresh relationship. It's in the name of Jesus I ask these things today. Amen.